Well, hello, everybody. What a blessing is this woman. She is on fire. Come on, why don't you give some love to your amazing senior pastor with Pastor Mark. And um, I am really honoured to be with you guys this morning. And I've been out at Moray Field several times and been able to preach. But today is my inaugural word here in Warner. So I'm glad to be here. And a big thank you to Mark and Nina for um, having us back and entrusting me this morning with the Word. So um, I just want to say hi. It's great to be here with you. And um, if I haven't met you, which is probably most of you, um, I'd love to say hi and um, get to know you a little bit. But hopefully you know the person next to you at least. If I haven't met you, hopefully you've met them. So why don't you give them a high five, shake their hand, introduce yourself if you're sitting with a stranger, which is always a good thing in church. The idea is you're always sitting with a stranger because that means someone's come you haven't met before, maybe for the very first time. And I know this church loves meeting new people. I know that you guys just love having people from your community and around coming in, connecting with you, finding hope, finding faith, finding great people. Does that get you guys excited? We'll try again. Does that get you guys excited? No, no, I'm not happy. Does that get you guys excited? Yes, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Because you are friendly people. And if you've caught what um, Nina and Mark have, they are just so embracing. And I just felt this morning a word for this house. Um, I I just felt God put on my heart that you guys are like yeast. And you know how yeast gets into stuff. When, it, when you put a little bit of yeast into um, the, the bread mix, it makes it rise, it makes it better, it makes it full of taste and flavour and, and makes it delicious. And that's you guys. That's this church. That's Emerge. When you guys have got into us and made us better, you inspire us. And we go home, Richard and I talk about this church a lot, about what you're doing, about your heart for communities and church planting and you are yeast. So everywhere you go, everywhere you put your feet, you are carrying influence. You are carrying God's heart and God is using you to have an influence that is beyond what you um, can even imagine. So I want to just really encourage you today. Mark and Nina, you are yeast. Keep going, keep, keep investing everywhere you're going. You're having an impact across this nation. And even the model of what we're now doing has been inspired and, and envisioned by you guys. You are sowing seed into us. So I just want to say we love you and thank you. And um, this is a great place to be. Well, now that I've told you all that, I'm Helen. I'm from Melbourne. Um, I'm originally a Sydney girl who moved to Melbourne 32 years ago, fell in love with Alebo, which was a very, like, a, it was just a big culture clash. It was like middle class, white Aussie from a cottage out in the, in the rural that never had any music, a noise happening, marries this guy from inner city Melbourne who just was up at all hours of the night, who never, who's, you'd go to visit at 1am in the morning, your house would be full and the two of us sort of joined together and have been going along pretty well after this <laughs> and um, it's funny because our kids are a mixture of the two of us. One loves to party, one likes the quiet, one likes the noise, one, so... You know what happens, family forms. But um, 
I, I love Melbourne, been there for 30 years. And last year I became a grandma. So that was really, really exciting. And that was my, our first little bubba, so little Atlas there. She's a sweetheart and she loves people. Isn't she a cutie? Look at her, she, that was her first birthday. And um, so she's just started swimming lessons. And um, the, the swimming, at the, um, the swimming class, the lady uses a doll to try and show the mothers what to do with the babies. But Atlas just loves people so much and she loves babies. So this doll gets in the bath and um, the, la the lady's like, okay, Sarah, do this with your baby. And Atlas is just, baby, baby, give me the baby, give me the teacher. She's hugging all the other moms, she's hugging the other babies. And so they had to take this doll out of the bath out of the pool because she's just too distracted. So Atlas loves people. She's so friendly. If she arrived now, you could all hug her. She wouldn't mind. So that's, she's like the, the best um, heartwarming. But um, she lives in Sydney. So she's been an addition in our world. And then um, we became empty nesters in January. So a little bit traumatised, but I think I'm doing okay. So I've got a photo of our family. We had um, my son's wedding in January. So he was the last one to get married. So on this end, I've got um, Sarah, my eldest daughter, with Darcy and, and beautiful Atlas. Me and my son, Mark. So he's the young one. His beautiful wife, Natalie. This is Richard, if you haven't met him yet. He's preaching tonight. I've got to tell you, I'm just like sub. He's like mega. So he's like awesome, awesome, all right? So but come back tonight, bring your friends. You're gonna have, you're gonna love the word tonight. And um, then my daughter, Stephanie, and her husband, Michael. So that's us, the Quebecian family. And um, we're doing life in all different cities. Two of my girls live in Sydney. My girls live in Sydney. My son's with us, but I'm now an empty nester, transitioning into that. So I have lots of spare time to do things all around the world, which is great. So that's good. And um, so that's just a little bit about me, but I'd love to pray for us as I bring the word this morning. Are you expecting for God to speak to you? Would you just lift your hand if you're expecting? Maybe you're here in the, in the room for the very first time. I know we've welcomed you. But you know what? God wants to talk to you this morning. He has a word for your heart. So I'd love you just to even just lift a finger and say, all right, God, if, if you're real, go for it. See what you can do today in my head. But I know God wants to speak to us. So let's lift our hands high. Say, pick me, God, this morning. Pick me to speak to. Do something in my heart. Shift my world today, Lord. So, Father God, as, as we just lift our hands, we just say, Father God, speak into our hearts. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We open our hearts. We open our ears. And, Lord, we just ask for the distractions of the day, of the week, the things coming, the things that have been, just to be pushed aside for a moment as you encourage our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, my word this morning is called um, gain confidence. And I want to just encourage you that God is here to help. That God is on our side and He is here to help us. And I want to start in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 7. It says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people 
gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah said. So December last year, um, the year was coming to a close. We'd got over that thing that in Melbourne we don't like to mention, that thing that Nina mentioned. I was slightly traumatised when she mentioned it. But um, we don't talk about it anymore. It's done, it's finished. So a year after that thing we don't mention, we were all doing well, life's good, church is growing, my son's getting married, my daughter's coming um, to, to Melbourne for Christmas. We're gonna all be together. My granddaughter's gonna be there pulling down baubles off the Christmas tree. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. Um, everything's good. Everything is really, really good. And I am struggling with energy. I am dragging my feet through every day. As, as the weeks are getting closer to having my house full of visitors and guests and presents and cooking and, and wedding preps and celebrations, I am just really, really struggling. Fatigued, energyless, foggy, the world is spinning. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on in my world? So as a sensible person does, I went to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, I said, I don't feel well. And he said, oh, I think it's a virus. I said, I don't think so. Can you take my bloods, please? He said, I don't need to take your bloods, but if you insist, we'll do that. Anyway, so he took my bloods. I get a call two days later. You have no iron. You need an iron infusion. You need to get to the clinic. They need to plug you in. You need to lay down there. They'll ooze it into your blood and this will fix your problem. But it's Christmas, so I had to wait weeks for this thing to happen and then to kick in. And eventually, this iron kicked in on the day of my son's wedding, middle of Jan. I am on top of the world. Suddenly, my energy is back. I can take on humans and entertainment and being friendly and talking and partying. And I feel amazing. I needed an iron infusion. And I just feel today that God wants to give you an infusion of His power, that we need a, a, a dramatic supernatural input of who He is and His power in our lives every single day. You know, we are called to bear fruit. Fruit? More fruit? Oh, he promised you'd do it. He promised me. Mark said they'll do it. They know. We are called to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, everlasting fruit. But you know what? We need God to do that in our hearts and lives. We're believing for that. And God wants you to gain confidence today that He is mighty, He is powerful, and He is able to intervene. You know, we, we have... Our Lord, our Saviour is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the authority above every authority. We serve a God who is a creator, a healer, a restorer, a strengthener. We serve a mighty God, but sometimes we forget. Sometimes we just find ourselves dragging our faith feet, just thinking we're meant to live a bit dizzy and foggy and... But no, God wants to inject in us His power. There is a greater power with us than with the world, is what Hezekiah was telling his people. But we can find ourselves discouraged. We can find ourselves disappointed. We can find ourselves overwhelmed. We can be drowning in failure or pain. And we just can't see a way out. 
And I want to declare over you today a renewed confidence in Jesus and a release of His power afresh for our everyday lives, for everything He has for us. No matter whether you're facing something amazing or you're facing something difficult, God, I believe, wants to infuse you with His power today. You know, the Bible is full of these stories, of these accounts of how God intervenes dramatically in people's lives. You know, the Bible, so often we, we open it, we read it, we think it's, where's my little bit, my little piece of energy for today? Where's my little bit of food? But really, the Bible is God's story. The whole thing from front to back is His story. His story of how He wants to interject in people's lives, everyday, ordinary people who He wants to have a relationship with, a connection with. He wants to turn up in their world, shift things, change things, take them to their fullest capacity. It's God's story of how He wants to meet with humanity throughout every generation. We see this with Moses. Moses is faced with the Red Sea. He's leading the people. Millions of the Israelites are following him and he's faced with this impossible situation, this, this wall of water that, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this? And God shows up, opens the Red Sea and the, and, um, the Egyptians drown. God is with him. This infusion of God's mighty power comes along with him. Abraham, Abraham and Sarah faced with an impossible situation. There's no way through. There's no way out the other side. But God comes along. Even though they're old, they're too old to have children. God intervenes, interjects, does a dramatic shift, gives them an infusion of His power. You know, we see this right through Scripture, story after story where we see that we are humanly limited. And as I faced December, I realised I had this reminder that I'm limited humanly. My human body can only do so much. I had to have this extra thing, this outside source of power for my body to function. And God says, you need my outside source of, of power for you to function. Come on, you can get a little bit excited about that today, that God wants to infuse you and inject you with His power and might. So come on, why don't you give Him some praise? Why don't you clap your hands, make some noise for your God who is for you, who wants to inject you with that. I know it's Sunday morning and I know we're still waking up and the coffee hasn't quite kicked in. But come on, guys, our God is for us. He is championing us. He is with us. So what, what was my response when I found out I needed an iron infusion? What, did, what was my response? I said, all right, do it. So I went to the doctor, I made the appointment. And you know what? That's, that's what God, we just have to say, God, I need your power. God, do what only you can do in our lives. Get the infusion. And 2 Kings tells us a story. This story of King Hezekiah is a man who is faced with the impossible and he sees God show up. So I wanna unpack this with us a little bit this morning. So 2 Kings 19 and 2 Chronicles 32 Give us the account of King Hezekiah's story. Now, you can read that for yourselves at another time. There's, it's several chapters, and um, you guys want to get to the Sunday fun day outside. So I won't read all those five or six chapters to you. Is that good? Yes? But um, King Hezekiah is faced with an overwhelming enemy. 
an absolutely impossible situation. Now, he's, he's in his fortified city. He's done everything that he can. He's um, built up extra walls. He's prepared the people. He's done all that God has enabled him to do. Yet, an enemy comes against him. The Assyrian king comes against him. Now, the Assyrian king has already ravaged all of Judah. All these other cities have been destroyed. And as he's coming to, to um, Jerusalem, it's like, oh my gosh, how can we survive this? How is this possible? He comes, this, this Assyrian king's name is Sanherib, is how the blues, what's it called? The blue letter Bible. Little, little, little microphone tells you to pronounce it. I'll try it again. San Harib. Now, I'm not sure if you pronounce it properly. Good luck with that. But the interesting thing is because one thing about Scripture is there's always a hidden meaning. Like there's always something in the meaning. So I love to look up a meaning of a word because it's like, oh, this is going to be so exciting. So I looked up this particular word, San Harib. And it means nothing in particular. It's actually like, it's just a name. It's a nothing name. If your name is Sanharib, I apologise. I didn't mean to offend you by saying that, that it's a nothing name. It's a meaningful name for you. But as a meaning, like it doesn't. So I love this actually, because it's saying that this enemy that's coming is just a generic enemy. It could be anything. All the things that come against us that try to rob us of trusting God and experiencing His power are right here demonstrated in this story. It's not about just one particular thing. It's an all-inclusive enemy. And the enemy can come to us in all shapes and sizes. The enemy comes to us in a doctor's report. When we, when we go to a, an appointment, we get that word and, and it's negative and it's discouraging and it's, it's just how, how are we going to get through this? It can come in a difficult relationship, in a person that's, that's causing us grief. You know, recently... We've had a, situ a situation going on in our world that actually it's been really, really difficult with a particular person. And they're a beautiful person. We love them as a person. But for us, it's been a wrestle and it's caused me to lose some sleep. And, you know, you, you hear me. You know, the enemy can come, uses all sorts of things to distract us and rob us. Finances, whether it's our finances, all sorts of things. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 10, that the enemy's plan, the enemy has a plan. This unnamed enemy has a plan and it is to rob, steal and destroy. And if there's anything that the devil's trying to do to all of us, it is to rob, steal and destroy the plan and purpose of God and his victory and his hope and his calling in our lives. That's what he wants to do. And sometimes he does it dramatically and sometimes he does it under the carpet subtly. But at every turn, the enemy is trying to distract us. So the enemy comes to Hezekiah, this Sanharib comes to Hezekiah and he does, and he says all sorts of things. He accuses him he accuses Hezekiah of starving his own people, of being against his army. This enemy is coming to try and distract the people that Hezekiah is leaving, leading. He mocks. He's like, what, you think your God's really power, powerful enough to deliver you? You know, 
we're at work, we're in the office. Oh, you get, you're one of those churchy people. Churchy people. <laughs> really? You need a crutch, do you? to get through life. People mock, they mock that we have a God that we trust, that our God is able, that our God is capable. They, they stir up doubt. These enemies come to Hezekiah and stir up doubt, cause confusion. Do you really think God's gonna come through? Do you really, like, do you think maybe you need an alternative? Like, how do you know? Like, I'd been a Christian my whole life. I was 18 years old. I trusted Jesus from an eight-year-old. I'd received him in my heart. I said, Jesus, I love you. I want you to come into my heart. I'm sorry for my past. I need you. At 13, again, I said, Lord, I want to live for you. I need you, Jesus. And I got to 18. I was loving God. You know, Jesus was with me. And my friend, a friend came to me and said, how can you trust this God if you've never known anything else? Maybe it's just all fake and and you, there's no such thing. How, how can you be so sure? Maybe you need to try life without him to know for sure. And I started to doubt. I started to question my own Christian faith and started to look in other places for answers. And I've got to tell you, there were no answers. I was very discouraged very quickly. And I turned back to my God and my Saviour, Jesus. But But the enemy tries to stir up doubts. He tries to cause us to question our Saviour publicly. He shamed him publicly. He spread word and spread rumours that, that, you know, really, do you really think this leader is the right leader? Do you think he can trust the God he's trusting? You know, so often now people will challenge, the Bible's out of date. You know, the church is irrelevant. People are leaving churches. All around us, people are, are trying to shame our faith, our Jesus. And I've got to tell you, God is for us. God is with us. He wanted to distract them. He wanted to distract them with disunity and fear. They were on the wall trying to protect the city as well as build the wall and keep it maintained. And this this enemy was coming at them saying, don't worry about it. As if it's gonna work, you are gonna fail. So at this point, um, Hezekiah being faced with all these words from the enemy, all this discouragement, what does Hezekiah do? What does he do? And with the enemy at every angle, and defeat is sure. At this point, he knows 100% that he will fail without God. There is no physical way this king can cause his army to win this battle. And you know what? Sometimes we need to get to that point where we go, you know what? I've got nothing. I've got, I'm at the bottom of my potential capacity basket, just like I was before I got my iron infusion. I just, I had nothing. There was no more I could physically do. I needed help. And that's exactly what Hezekiah does. He cries out for help. 2 Kings 19, it tells us what Hezekiah does. Verse 15, it says, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He says, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth and you have made heaven and earth. I love this. The first thing Hezekiah does is declare who God is. Even faced with the mightiest of defeat, knowing that there is no hope for him, he goes, God, you, 
And that's what we do in worship when we come in here and we lift our voices. We say, God, You, You're awesome. You're amazing. You are the King. You're the Creator. You are mighty. You are enthroned. And He says, You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. Lord, at the end of the day, we all belong to You. At the end of the day, You're in charge. You're leading us. You're protecting us. And then He goes on. And he, he starts to explain to God the situation. He goes, God, look, I agree. I've got, uh, look, I'll be honest with you, God. The Assyrians are powerful. They, they're really a great army. I know this sickness that I've, I've re- received a diagnosis for. I know the statistics says this will be my outcome. I know that. It's obvious. I know that what the bank says about my interest rate right now and my financial situation, Lord, I know the facts are the facts. That's what Hezekiah does with God. He says, God, it's, it's not unrealistic that this Assyrian army is going to destroy me. He says, because all the other nations that they have fought against have man-made gods. They just have statues. All these, other, all these other communities, all these other people that have been destroyed by Him, Father, it makes sense because they're not trusting you. They're trusting their own mind. They're trusting what they've built themselves, man-made carved statues. <laughs> but, but God, us, we trust you. You're the, you're the mighty God. We, they're not, the, none, in none of these other situations have they come against you. But when they fight us, they're gonna be fighting you, God. So we know, we know that we can win because of you, not because of us. And you know what, church? That's why we can win, not because of us, not because of our own human strength or ability, but because we belong to the living God. Verse 19, Now, Lord our God, deliver us from His hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are God. Hezekiah says, God, I get it, but you... You are the mighty one. And God responds to him. God responds in, um, he responds with a promise of help. So 2 Kings verse 19, 32a, it says this. God says, he will not, the, this enemy of yours will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. Verse 34, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. God says, I hear you, Hezekiah. You're trusting me. I'm gonna go to battle for you. I am gonna give you what you need. You can gain confidence in me. We can gain confidence in our God. He is for us. He is with us. Our our outcome can be beyond what is physically expected and normal. Second Chronicles verse 32, it shows us that God miraculously rescues them. Are you getting inspired this morning? Is this helping you? I hope so. This just encourages me so much. It says, And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and the officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. So even though... Hezekiah was ready for this battle. He'd done everything he could. He had his weapons. He had, he'd, he'd done all the human things that were possible. 
he didn't actually lift a finger. Not one of his men died. God rescued Jerusalem with the army doing absolutely nothing other than trusting in God. God did what was humanly impossible. And we can cry out to God for help again and again. You know, crying out to God for help is not something we're meant to just do once. And it's not something we're meant to just do when the problem's big. It's not something we're meant to do when, when human things run out. We're meant to turn to God over and over and over again and remind Him that we need Him, that He's powerful, that He's mighty. Come on, why don't you give Him some praise in the place? Because we need our God. And I wanna stir up your confidence this morning. I wanna stir you up and remind you afresh that God wants to show up in your world, in your every day, in your every moment. There's not a miracle He can't do for you because we are His people. And He wants to send us out into the earth with declaration of His provision, of His power, of His might, of carrying us into places that we wouldn't otherwise be able to go. You know, we were building our house in 2013. We bought a block of land, we were so excited, we were ready to go, we, we went to this auction and we just felt so clearly God say, this is yours, this is yours. And we bought this house and it was just a God moment and we're celebrating. And um, it, look, it was a step of faith right up front, but we just knew that God was with us. And then the journey went on. And then the GFC hit. And then the time lagged. So now I had three kids in senior school and school fees blew out. My cash flow wasn't quite what it needed to be now to sustain this loan that I'd planned to borrow. We bulldozed the house and we didn't realise that was going to steal a lot of value off this block of land we'd bought. So we went back to the bank and they're like, sorry, there's, you're, you, can't, you can't do this. You can't do this. So we went to another bank. Sorry, you can't do this. So time is ticking, time is ticking. And our resilience and our faith and our hope is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And our dream, this amazing dream that we had of building this house for God's kingdom that He could use and we could entertain people in was being depleted. And we went to lunch one day. We had a a guest preacher come and... um, we were there at lunch and, and we were talking and we sort of said, yeah, yeah, look, we had plans. Had. We were done. We'd given up. We had plans to build a house and um, this is what's happened and it's, we're, we, we're, we're going to have to sell the block and I don't know what we're going to do next. It's, it's a bit of a disaster. Now, I know it's a very practical thing, a, a house. You might say, oh, that's just so, it's not that important, but it was something significant for us and we'd been trusting God and God is concerned with even these things of our lives. He's concerned with our, our well-being and our families and where we're living and the house we live in. He wants to be involved. And this man said to us, no, I don't agree. I don't agree. I believe God's called you to do this. I believe God's called you to have this house. I, no, it's going to be done. Here, call this, call this guy. He gets on the phone. He rings up his friend in, in Sydney. His friend gets on the phone. We have a quick chat. He goes, yeah, yeah. Look, send me the paperwork. I'll see what I can do. This is over lunch in this fancy restaurant. We're sitting there and he goes, here, talk to, talk to the guy. So I walk across the restaurant. How to have this? I earn this much. <laughs> I hope no one's listening. I don't earn that much, so it's okay. But... Um, <laughs> Maybe if they, anyway. Um, So we get off the phone. Next day, I send him the things. 
Within 48 hours, our loan is approved. We are on the move. We're going forward. We're building. Not because of our faith, because of this guy's faith. He gave me an infusion. God infused me with faith to go, come on, you can do this. He reminded me that I don't serve wooden gods made by human hands. I serve a God who is concerned and interested in my every day, who has the power to change things. He has the power to bring a different report from what humanly we should be able to expect. That's the God who is on my side. And I wanna tell you, I think this is something that catches us is we think God has a miracle lolly jar. And you've had your lollies. You've eaten your, you've had your miracle, an allocated number of, no, God has no limit on the miracles He can give us. God is not limited. You don't get an allocation of five and you've had five and you've had five and you've had two and a half. That's all you get. I don't know if I like you so much. And you get three and you get five. No, no, no. You can have a million, zillion, hundred miracles from your heavenly Father. If you just cry out and say, God, I need you to turn up. God, I need your miracle in my life. I'm getting excited about this and I hope you're getting excited too. But you know, the enemy comes against us. He wants to keep us dragging our feet. He doesn't want us to walk in a victory walk. He wants to keep us discouraged and tied up in your mind. He's got you thinking stuff that is not what God has told you to think. It's not what God thinks of you. It's what some school teacher or somebody, some friend once said to you or something that your kids have said to you. I know the older we get, our own children have the power to say things that can discourage us, that can bind us back. And God says, that's not what I believe about you. You're a great parent. You're a great grandparent. You're a great mom. I believe in you. You are a carrier of the living God. Our insecurity, our discouragement, all these things the enemy uses to hold us back. The culture of those around us. Just accepting that Life is life, reality is reality. We're all just floating down this river and take it as it comes. Who are you to expect something different? Who are you to believe you can live a higher life, a faith-filled life, a healthier life, a stronger life? Who are you? And, and our, our normal thinking wants to pull us back and discourage us. Just this week, I spoke to a woman who's walked with Jesus for 20 years and now she's wondering, she's questioning her faith, she's doubting her faith, the Jesus that has brought her through trial and tribulation over and over and she got into confusion on the internet and going down tunnels and rabbit warrens and, and has found herself in a place where she's not even sure about her Jesus anymore. But this week, she cried for help and said, God, help me get out of this. And her mind cleared like a fog went off her brain. The enemy wants to drag us down and pull us back. But we have a God who is for us, who is waiting, who is ready. We are set apart because He is with us. You know, right now, I'm married to Richard, as I've said. But it's more than just Richard, I'm married to a visionary, a guy who just, there are no limits. We are taking on the world. We are going, we can do it. Hey babe, can we just stay home for a night and relax? No, come on, we are, we are out there. We are gonna, God is for us. We're gonna, um, we're gonna, at the moment, I'll just, I might need some counselling, so I'll start here. At the moment, 
<laughs> so we, we bought this new house. We sold our other house that we'd built. It was a miracle. In the middle of COVID, God said to me, now, sell it now. We sold it like within 48 hours. It was on the market. We sold it. We were sitting here in the hotel here and um, we got a word from the agent. And honestly, we sold our house sold for $400,000 more than it should have, which meant that we could, that, so it sold on the, we were here on the Sunday, got the word from the agent. I said to Richard, are we happy? Do you want a little bit more? He goes, would you just say yes? I was like, all right. <laughs> but I believe in the God of, anyway, so I said yes. And um, so we were here. And then by the Wednesday, we went home. All the paperwork was signed. It was done. On the Saturday, we went to an auction and we bought a house in an area that we never would have been able to afford to buy. But because God had given us this bonus on that end, we could buy. And then three weeks later, that area went up and it was just like a God thing. But 20 years ago, when we had nothing, um, this is, are, are you good? You're with me? 20 years ago, when Richard went to Bible college, probably it was more, 25, 30, when Richard went to Bible college, I had three small children. And um, he went on Oz study so he could finish college quickly. And we had no money, as you do when you're just on Oz study, and three kids. So we couldn't, there was just nothing. Like we just had enough to pay each bill. There was not a room for a bag of chips or um, an ice cream at the shops, nothing. Pizza Friday night? No, we're not doing that. So I started ironing as a job to be able to stay home with my kids but earn some money so that we could just have a little bit of room for some special things. So when I was ironing, I did a pickup for a lady and she lived in this particular area. And I was like, oh God, I really love it here. I want, I'd love to be able to live here. This would be amazing. And um, then a few times, like it was just, that it was such a fantasy to be able to live in this location. And... Um, where we bought this house that day when I, the, after we'd been here is literally 100 metres from my ironing client right. where God had, and I'm thinking God, and still when we, we've been there 18 months, Richard and I are there, we're like, I can't, every time we go home, we're like, I can't believe we get to live here. <laughs> so awesome. But that's my God. He, he's He's happy to bless us with the things that, that our heart desires. And I believe in a God who just has miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle for me. I've had, I've had my back healed. Of, um, I had pain in my back and, and it was crippling and I've had that healed instantly. But I needed that. That was like, uh, I didn't need a house in this particular location. That's just like God being really kind. And, but we can, sometimes we think we've had the miracles that God needs to give us the, the sensible ones. Why can't we have the not sensible ones? Because we serve a miracle working God who loves and cares for us and He's on our side and He wants us to gain confidence in Him. God wants us to be supernatural people every day. And some of us are so safe and self-sufficient and everything's good. It's like, you know what, that's great, Helen. I'm actually pretty happy with my life. Some of us have got some big stuff going on and you're like, oh, come on, I need this, Helen. I need this. I need this. I'm believing for God to show up and do that miracle. But some of us are so settled that there's no need for God to do a miracle. There's no need. He doesn't need to show up. You've got it all together. Your life's awesome. You've built your walls and your tower's safe and there's no enemy coming at you. God says, come on. 
There's more. If you're in the second half of your life, this is meant to be the best half, the biggest half, the fullest half. And that's what I was saying when I needed counselling a moment ago. So Richard, having moved into this little house that we just love, he's like, yeah, but I've got dreams to live in the city and do other things. Why don't we rent our house out and why don't we move and go to the city and um, why don't we live there for a while, live this other life? And in the meantime, while we're doing that, let's ring the agent, all of that. But actually, honey, we've got to go to Europe for five weeks in the middle and you're going to... It's like, oh God, help me, help me, help me. Help me to have the strength and the energy to live the big life that my husband has called me live with God. So come on, let's not settle. Let's expect God to be showing up in our spaces. You know, um, we met a lady at a wedding on the weekend and she, um, she was saying, let me jump back. So um, Nina said to you, we're doing some fun things around the earth. So at the moment, we're training a couple in our church in Melbourne to send them back to Poland. They're here with us for three months because we do this thing called reverse missions. We find people overseas who want to plan in Europe, who want to plan a church, who their pastors support. We get them to come to Australia. They live with us within our homes or we house them. We train them. They catch everything we're doing. And then we send them back to plant a church in their city, in a city of usually about a million people, 900,000, 800, in a city where there's not a single church like what you're experiencing right here today, in a city that's very dark, a city that has no hope, no message of Jesus. And so this is, this is what we're doing. So this couple is living with us at the moment and um, we're about to send them back to Krakow. And we in, um, we've got another church in Poland in a city called Poznan. So these guys are helping to send them into this new city where they're going to plant a church. We've also got another couple in Hanover, Germany, doing exactly the same thing. A young couple, two kids, and they're planting a church. They've come and stayed with us. We've sent them back. And they're planting a church in a city that is just so hard, so anti-God, so atheistic, young people who have no faith, no faith at all, yet they're there and people are receiving Jesus and finding hope. And I told you that for the context of I don't remember. Anyway, we have to gain confidence because God wants us to do great things across the earth. God wants every single one of us to do something great in our neighbourhood, in our street. God wants you to be stretched in your workplace. God wants you to need Him, wants that cry of help. God, I need you to show up. I need you to take me to greater, to the next thing. So I was speaking to this lady at the wedding. That's what I was telling you. And we were telling her about all these things we were doing. I oh, know, hey, I'm a bit, she's, she's a bit mad, but it's all right. You're all with me. You're with me? Good, all right. So I was chatting to this couple about our age. I don't know how they really old they really were, but they looked, they seemed about the same age kids, all those things. And um, so we're telling them what we're doing and, and that we're planting here. We're also planting in inner city Melbourne at the moment. We're transitioning a church in Adelaide at the moment, which is so exciting. And we are Hanover Cracker. So right now we've got two campuses. This time next year we're going to have six. Yeah, I know, hey? Oh my gosh, God, you better show up. Because I can't do this. That's, this is the reality. And this couple, we're talking to them. And they just went, wow, this is so exciting. Most people our age are just 
winding down. You guys are winding up. And can I encourage you, come on, let's keep winding up. Let's keep doing more of what God has called us to do. We are His hope. We are His carriers of life. And I understand you might want to slow down on the edges, but let's keep being people of faith. Believe in God for the miracles to show up in our space. Gain confidence that He's with us that He wants to see your friends in your workplace. Find Him. You know, people are hungry for hope. People are hungry for truth. Jesus wants to engage with hearts across the earth. He's looking and He wants to use us. How cool is that? You know, gain confidence. Isaiah 40, 26 says this, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He brings out the starry host one by one, calls them forth, each of them by name, because of His great power, mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God, this is our God. This is our God who loves us. Psalm 18, David says this, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is my God and these, this is ours. He's mine. This is my God. Is He yours? Or is your God, nah, you've had your turn. Nah. Or maybe you haven't met Him yet. Maybe you haven't even met this God who is on your side, who wants to shift things, who wants to carry you into a place that is not humanly normal, who wants to allow you to have joy when you shouldn't have joy, to have hope when you shouldn't have joy, to be the bright light in your school or your home. No matter the enemy, Jesus has given us all authority. Colossians 2.10 says, And in Christ you have been brought to fullness, because He is the head over every power and authority. Our Jesus is on top. Our Jesus is at the top. Nothing, nothing can intervene. First John 4, 4. I'm just building some confidence in you now. I'm just giving you that infusion. Lay down, let it, let it get into your spirit. 1 John 4, 4. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. The Spirit of God lives within us. This Spirit, this mighty God lives inside of us when we receive Him. Hezekiah was convinced that God was with him. Are we convinced? Are we convinced that God is with us? That, hey God, I know the reality of my situation, but I'm different because I belong to you. I'm a special one. I am your child, called and appointed by you. I am a joint heir with Christ, Romans 8, 7. I'm more than a conqueror through Him who loves me, Romans 8, 37. Come on, worship band, why don't you get up here? Come on, church, why don't you get to your feet? I have received the power of the Holy Spirit and He can do miraculous things through me. I have authority. Come on, let's get loud in this place. I have authority and power over the enemy in this world. God. God is with us. Is God with you? Is God with you? On your workspace, some of you are tradies. 
Some of you are out there on the building sites, Monday to Friday, all around you, people are swearing, people are cursing, people are telling stories you just don't wanna hear. You're hearing stuff. I just, I, right now I just sense God saying to you, I've put you there. You're a different, you're a different person and, and even though it appears impossible for you to make a difference, it seems impossible for your voice to carry weight, God's gonna shift things. You're gonna, you, He's gonna miraculously allow you to speak out, to have one-on-one conversations. You carry a light that, that they see, that they notice, that they might not declare, but they've seen it. And they're gonna start knocking on your door and ask questions. They can say, hey, can I? You go down off-site for whatever reason and there's a moment to have that conversation. But you've got to ask God, God, come on, help. Use me in this place, every workplace. But right now, I just want to take a moment. In a, we're going to pray in a minute for a supernatural infusion of confidence in your God who is for you. And I know some of you are at a, have hit a wall and you're just like, God, I've given up. And God, today, I, I believe my message was sent to you to say, believe again, God's with you, don't give up. And we're gonna pray for you. But I believe also there's some of us in the room who've just settled. We're just cruising. And God's saying, you better get some dreams happening. You better start to imagine bigger things. You'd better start to, to, to have something going on in your world that you need me for. Where do you need me? Come on, do something a little bit adventurous that you need me for. God says, would you let me be your help and your shield in your, in your life because you've gone out on the edge in the faith zone. Not, not doing something silly, but trusting God to shift things. Do something different, start a grow group, make a new friend, join a gym, join a club, do something that you would never normally have done so that you need God's help to connect you to His people, that you can be a miracle carrier.